You've got work friends, you've got best friends, and now you've got ghoul friends. Hello and welcome to episode 90 of the Ghoul Friends Podcast. I'm Celeste. And I'm Caitlin. I can't believe we're at 90. That's pretty wild. It is pretty insane. I feel like we say that every episode, but yeah. the closer we get to 100. It is weird. Remember when we were like, episode 10. I know. Episode, and nobody was listening. <laughs> episode 1. That's hard to like. Yeah. That was a hot mess of an episode. Uh, yeah. If you listen to the first probably 20 episodes, they're pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> they're rough. And it was still so like uncomfortable to record. Like yeah. we weren't used to it yet. Mm-hmm. And it definitely, you don't think it would be hard, but it really is. Yeah. It's just like super awkward at first. It is. I remember it took us a long time to it, not feel awkward. It does. And especially at the beginning, we were sitting beside each other Yeah. when we were recording. I think that increased like the awkwardness mm-hmm. of it. And now we record sitting across from each other. So the mic is just there yeah. and we're just talking to it each other. Like we're talking, not yeah. like at a computer. <clears throat> yeah. Do you want to know what I just thought about before we started recording? Oh God. What? Um, it's a little ironic that we talked about curses last weekend oh. when we have literally had the week from hell. Yeah. I think we cursed ourselves. <laughs> I think we really did. Isn't that funny? That is kind of weird. I'd like just popped into my brain. That's weird. Yeah. Do you want to guess? <laughs> We, did we put it up on Instagram, any of it? I don't think we put it on, like, the ghoul friends. I think you put it on yours. On, like, my personal Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one morning, this, what was it, Tuesday? Yes. Tuesday morning, I woke yes. up, and, like, we have, my you know, very new cars. Mm-hmm. So, really shouldn't have many problems with Mm-mm. it. Well, we did. So. We did. I woke up, and my key fob wasn't really working. Right. So I grabbed the other set. That's fine. We'll yeah. Deal with that later. And kind of went out, you know, throughout the day, turned my car on and off. It was kind of just acting funny. I was like, shit. Mm-hmm. So I come home for lunch. Celeste has a flat tire. <laughs> I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and to preface that, I'd had that a flat tire a couple weeks prior. And yes. it was that same tire. And they had patched it and said, like, you're good to go. So we kind of started to suspect that it was more than just a bad luck. Just, yeah. <laughs> So that's fine. We make it through the day. Mm-hmm. You get your car while we call for the tow. Yeah. And I get home, and then my car just won't unlock. It won't turn on. Like it is just completely dead with both fobs. Mm-hmm. Change the batteries. I'm like, okay, I can do that. Yeah. The fobs. Yeah, no. So we called the tow company. We're like, can we add a car? Yeah. <laughs> They're literally like, you want both your cars towed? And we're like, I wouldn't be asking if we didn't need it. So, yes. Yeah. So they came, they loaded our poor sad vehicles onto the tow truck and drove them away, sadly. Sad. It was very sad. It was very sad to watch. Yeah. And so we get them towed away and we're like, um, okay, well, because this was probably like late in the afternoon to early evening. Yeah. By the time they both got towed away. So they were not going to be fixed that day. Right. So then we're like, um, Caitlin has to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> I had a doctor's appointment I had to go to. And we have no vehicles, so we had to call my mom. <laughs> like, mom, can you help? <laughs> Shout out to Kathy, though. She was amazing. She was. No, dropped us off. <laughs> have a good day. Make good choices. <laughs> I was like, I bet you thought you were done chauffeuring kids around. She was like, you're telling me. <laughs> we dropped Caitlin off at work. She's like, I love you. <laughs> like, oh, God. It brought back all the memories of her driving me to school. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they're back up and running. Yep. It only took a day. Boatload of money. Yeah. Here we are. We're good. Yeah. So, you know, 
I think we cursed ourselves, but hopefully we've like <laughs> uncursed right, ourselves. This is gonna reset our energy. Yeah. We're gonna uncurse. Sorry to whoever we pissed off with the curses. Good vibes. Good vibes. Good vibes. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste, my ass at home. <laughs> yeah, Nama. We're, you don't get any more curse episodes. Sorry, y'all. I can't risk that amount of money getting spent again. No. Yeah. So it's been a week. Um, I'm glad we're we're back up and running. Yes. Cars are starting. Mm-hmm. Tires are inflated. <laughs> EpiPens are renewed. Yep. We're good. EpiPens. That was a very expensive. Wednesday was an expensive day for us. Yes, it was, but it's past us. It's done. We're good. And all is well again. <laughs> Other than our, I guess, no good, dirty, rotten week. Um, <laughs> Do we have anything else going on? I was trying. To... I think that just completely. That took the cake. Took, yeah, everything. Other than yeah. that, it wasn't a bad week. We were good. We. Mm-hmm. Just did our thing, yeah. as we usually do. Um, we went for a walk on the beach yesterday morning. That yeah, was that beautiful. Was mm-hmm. Before it got ridiculously hot. It the like, heat has arrived. It yesterday the high was 87. We, like, Ugh. broke every record. Yeah. <laughs> it's too early for this, Charleston. Stop it. I know. And that's, like, the difference. You you said it yesterday between, like, spring and summer. Mm-hmm. Is that spring, you still have, cool, like, cool mornings. Yeah. And that's what we had yesterday. So we got up. It was, like, just a slight breeze. It was perfect it was weather. perfect weather. And there were all the doggos. I all know. All the on the beach. It was so cute. They were so cute. Yes. I wanted to grab all all of them. Um, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yes. Um, what else? We got Wilma Muffet here sitting next to us. <laughs> Hopefully she's going to behave. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. She's got that look of violence in her she's eyes. She's a little sus right now. A little sus indeed. <laughs> yeah. No, it's been, uh, it's been a week. I finished my course, so that was good. Yep. You start your new one Tuesday? Tuesday. <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah, that week went by way too quick. I was yeah. like, oh damn, we're doing it again, aren't we? Buckle up. I know. I'm just... A learning doctor. Get through it. <laughs> get through it. Yeah. So I think that's really about it for us. I think so, too. Got my plants all up and mm-hmm. going again. You're, every time I see your dad, he's got another plant that he gives me. I know. <laughs> I don't know where he thinks I'm going to put them all. <laughs> I know. I'm like, are you going to build us like a hanging like rack or something to like hang these plants on? Because <laughs> there's a lot of them. Yeah. And we don't have that big of a backyard. <laughs> Yes. He, um, Caitlin got to uh, use some power tools yesterday. I did. Got to trim the giant bush that's outside of our house. <laughs> trim Insert lesbian bush. jokes wherever. <laughs> and then I got to blow <laughs> the leaves. <laughs> yes. You look like a pro out there. Just Thank you. trimming and blowing. And <laughs> I felt like I could just hear like the Home Depot theme song going on in the back. As you were doing your thing. What's the Home Depot theme song? I can't sing it. If I played it for you, you would know it. Oh. It's All on I can the think ev- of is bum, 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 bum. <laughs> That's definitely not Home Depot. No. <laughs> I'll have to find it, but you, you'll recognize it. But I definitely could hear that in my head, like, going in the background as you were just, like, doing everything. It was pretty fun. I gotta, I gotta admit. I like bleep blowing. That's really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. I never <laughs> trimmed a bush before. <laughs> Um, but that was fun. Mm-hmm. It, it was crazy. It, it, it was so tall. It was taller than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I had to get up on the step stool. On the ladder and just doing it. go to town. I'm glad you didn't like trim an arm off or, you know, because <laughs> it looks pretty scary. It looks like a freaking chainsaw. Yeah, that's essentially pretty much what it is. And I was just Although like, she going to fall off that ladder and we going to run up that deductible today. <laughs> <laughs> today is the day we hit the deductible. Yeah. But it was good. You survived. All no. is well. Kitty, we're not going to start this. 
<sighs> yeah, I survived. It looks good. I de-weeded mm-hmm. the backyard. Backyard. Yeah. At least you're going back out there now. I'm proud of you for that. <laughs> it's taken a lot. I keep, I s- kind of stomp my feet and yep, make a lot of noise. Anybody that doesn't know what I'm talking about or Celeste is talking about last year, I almost stepped on a nope rope, a mm-hmm. hissy noodle, AKA a snake, snake. And I don't do anything. We don't do snakes around no, here. No, like Mm-mm. not even close. I don't even want to see a picture of one. Mm-mm. I don't I either. Don't, nothing. Caitlin sees a hose that's curled up and she starts <laughs> like running. <laughs> You're not wrong. If it even looks serpent-like, I'm out. Sticks that look like snakes. Mm-hmm. And I almost stepped on one, and that freaked me the fuck out. <laughs> so I didn't go out of my backyard for like six months. No, she made me go out there. <laughs> I won't turn the hose on still, because that's where I almost stepped on it. So Celeste has to go turn the hose on. I water my plants. And then Celeste goes to turn the hose at least you didn't lock me out there because last time in Virginia there was a snake in our yard. You locked me out there with it, and you were like, "I will think of you fondly and miss you often." And I'm like, you better open the door. I almost just fell off the bench. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. No ropes. No. No ropes. Don't do no ropes. Nope. I don't do them in any form. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Thank you. No. Pass on that. Hard pass. Hard pass. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. I think we're about to our ramble time. We, did we ramble enough? I think we have. Well, do you want to go to one of rock, paper, scissors? Who goes first? Sure. All right. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, okay. Okay. Is it me? You get to defer or receive. Ooh. Um, I'll go first okay. because I am excited to tell you about this one because I have not. Sometimes I tell you what I'm doing. Yeah. I told you what it was, but I didn't tell you any details. Correct. And that was on purpose because I wanted to get your honest reactions oh, when we were okay. recorded. This story is buck wild. I know you were talking about it yesterday. Like, you were super stoked to record. Yeah, I am because this story is crazy. And it's actually really recent. As like, far as 2014. Oh, snap. And up to 2019, it was last mentioned in the news. So, this is... 2014. That's when we met. Mm-hmm. It was. Well, trust me, it was. we were having a much better time than these folks. <laughs> okay. So, this is the story of the Watcher House. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. Okay. Well, you will know more about it I, than you can imagine. Some, somebody's watching somebody. Mm-hmm. So, to start at the beginning of this story, um, in 2014, a couple named Derek and Maria Broadus, they bought a home in Westfield, New Jersey, and this was June of 2014. Okay. And the address of the home was 657 Boulevard. Okay. Now, I read this and I saw Westfield, New Jersey, and if anyone watched WandaVision like I did, you know that sounds very similar to Westview, New Jersey, where the show takes place. So I was like, okay, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> um, so it's a very, uh, you could say, upper-class town, beautiful million-dollar home, safe neighborhoods. You know, it's kind of, they describe it as like, this neighborhood where it's kind of like everyone knows you, okay. you know, your neighbors, yeah. um, the house. Fun, it, mm-hmm. Sorry. Fun fact. What? Uh, you know, one part I love about New Jersey is you're not allowed to pump your own gas. Someone that, always pumps your gas for you. Mm-hmm. That is a really nice part. And when you're moving with animals and you like physically cannot get out of your car <laughs> for fear of them jumping out, it is handy for someone to come pump your gas. Yep, It is. 
That's yeah. about the only thing I like about New Jersey, sorry, because yes. your traffic was horrible. <laughs> Pretty much. And it was a long-ass state to drive through. It was. Um, so, yeah, 657 Boulevard. It's a six-bedroom house. Okay. It's 3,869 square feet. So 69. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've hit so many sexual jokes already, <laughs> and we're not even 15 minutes in. Um, it was $1.3 million dollars. Okay. To buy. So, so not, not a cheap house to buy. But the home was the family's dream house. Uh, Maria had grown up blocks away, so she always knew of it and loved it. Derek was actually from Maine. Oh, fun. And received a promotion, uh, had recently received a promotion to senior vice president at a Manhattan insurance company. Okay. Um, they have three children together. And they, you know, they close on it. They're excited. They immediately start kind of, you know, doing renovations as you do when you buy a new house. And they're kind of, you know, doing things, you know, getting a new welcome home mat, going through the mail. You know, you got a lot of old mail from the old owners usually. Mm -hmm. Well, they come across a letter and it's not signed. It doesn't have a return address. And it simply states at the beginning of it, dearest new neighbor at 657 Boulevard, allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. Okay, that's That's cute. Yeah. Well, it gets uh, a little weirder, and these are excerpts from the uh, the letters the letter, themselves. Okay. Um, this is why I typed my notes, fun fact, because I was not about to handwrite all of this out. <laughs> <laughs> it said, 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now, and as it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. And then um, these are, you know, this is not continuous. This is from a later portion of the letter. I see you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors, so you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk 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 bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Do you need to fill the house with the young blood I requested? Better for me. Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it greed to bring me your children? Once I know their names, I will call them and draw them to me. Uh-uh. I gotta eat. I'm moving. I gotta eat that again. Mm-hmm. This is insane. What? The person never identifies themselves, but they call themselves the watcher, and they promise that there would be more letters to come. Okay, obviously, like when you move into a new house, you might find a few little knickknacks around the house, yeah. um, but you, you don't know that your house has a, a stalker that's attached to it. And like, what the fuck with the house? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like within the walls, like yeah. it's all very strange. Um, but the, I think a more concerning part is he referenced, or the writer, we don't know if this is male or female, says young blood and they have three children. Right. So this is someone who clearly has seen them. Yeah. Uh-uh. Derek immediately is, you know, concerned. Um, He reaches out to the police to report the letter, but there really wasn't a lot that could be done about it. So the couple decided to reach out to the family who sold them the home, John and Andrea Woods. And the Woods revealed that they had received a letter from the watcher before, but other than that, nothing suspicious had ever happened over the 23 years they lived there. They got one letter and they kind of said, well, that's weird, and threw it away, and, like, nothing ever happened. Okay. Um... So, I mean, it's concerning. Derek and Maria are now terrified. Yeah. They just bought a million-dollar home, and they have this person who clearly is watching them. Yeah. So they start kind of taking action to try and protect their children. Um, Derek stops traveling for work and makes sure he's home all the time. Yeah. Maria basically has a constant hold and eye on her children. She won't let them go without, you know, being able to see them. Yeah. 
Two weeks after the first letter arrives, Maria found a second letter. Oh, gosh. This one said, Welcome to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been very busy, and I've been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. 657 Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement, or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if it were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic, or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher and have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. Okay, so he's referencing he or she knows the previous family. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it when I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession. And you are too, Braddis family. Welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought you brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. I ain't moving in. <laughs> so here's the even creepier part, because obviously these are, like I said, excerpts. Yeah. And they don't, this part isn't um, explicitly written, but the right, the watcher in the letter also identified the nicknames of the children and their birth order. So this is someone who has gotten close enough, not only to know who the kids are, know their nicknames and who is the oldest to the youngest. Is that like not make the hair on your arms stand straight up? That's terrifying. Yeah. Needless to say, they are beyond terrified at this point. Um, Derek and Maria refuse to bring their children to the house and are now questioning whether or not to even move in. I mean, yeah, what no. are you going to do? Basically, they you know, spend some time away from the house and they receive a third letter, um, which I won't read the whole thing, but it basically stated that 657 Boulevard misses you. What? Right. Oh. Now, there's some interesting things to keep in mind with these letters because you can't obviously see what I'm reading. Mm. If you look this up, you can find these letters. Um, whoever's writing this does not have good spelling. They misspell a lot of words. They also misspell the family's name. In the letter, it says Bradus, but their name was actually Broadus. Oh, okay. So these are kind of things to keep in mind. Um, weeks later, the family goes to a barbecue in the neighborhood. And when they're there, they're told by a neighbor about um, the Langford family who live, I believe, either next to or a house down from their 657 Boulevard. Okay. They kind of describe the family as odd. Which I'm like, what the hell does odd mean? You yeah, know? yeah. And they um, pointed out that the Langford son, Michael, who was adu- an adult, um, didn't work and was kind of viewed as like being eccentric. They kind of compared him to Boo Radley. Okay. Again, who knows what that means? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Different to everybody. Exactly. <laughs> We're probably odd to a lot of people. Yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Um, so to Derek, this seems like a really reasonable suspect for the watcher. Okay. The Langford's house is really close to theirs. They've been living there since the 60s. And in one of the first letters, the watcher claims to have been watching the house for almost two decades. Yep. With Michael's age, that lines up. Okay. Um, so immediately Derek goes to the police and Langford was interviewed by them. 
And some of the things he said um, did sound similar to how the letters are written, but there was not any concrete evidence to actually allow the police to charge him with anything or do something. Um, Obviously, this is very upsetting to Derek. He basically said, like, there's maybe a chance he could hurt my children, and you're not doing anything. anything." But they had nothing to connect him to it. So it's really becoming a a case of who done it. Like, who is it? I'm getting that ring doorbell. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Everywhere. I think this a ring doorbell would have been very handy <laughs> in this story. Um, so Derek and Maria basically decide they're going to start their own investigation. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to figure it out. Derek set up cameras all around the house that were facing the streets, and he also mapped out the neighborhood to determine which ear, houses were within earshot. Because remember, if he was it. close enough to hear the names, yeah. you have to be within the proximity of the house. Um, They also hired, they spoke to multiple former FBI agents. They didn't say this person's name in the article I read, but apparently one of them was the FBI agent that inspired the character of Clarice in Silence of the Lambs. So that was cool. That's pretty cool, yep. They also hired a private investigator named Robert Lenahan to perform what they called a threat assessment. And he kind of, through looking through the letters, interviewing people, determined the following things. The letters denote that older language is used, phrases that are not um, something you would hear a younger writer say. So it's thought that the writer may be older in age. Um, The sentences were double-spaced, and the way they're written, it suggests that the person is an avid reader, but they don't have great spelling. They kind of are an intermediate writer um, because there are clear uh, errors in the letters. Um, however, there is no profanity. So this also kind of implies that this person may not be as, like, aggressive mm-hmm. in a way. Um, not saying that, that you know, did, like, forgives any aggressive. of this. Yeah, like, I'm not saying that at all. Um, the tone of the letters imply that the writer is angry at the renovations being done to the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the washer doesn't like that there's contractors in the house. They say that quite frequently. This led Lenahan to believe that the writer may be a disgruntled former housekeeper or someone who worked in the home and was angry that they could not themselves afford it and this new family had moved in and was changing everything. Okay. That's pretty plausible. Sense, I like yeah. I agreed with that. Yeah. Um so yes, they're doing their own investigation. Nothing's really coming up. In 2014, like, basically, at the end of the year, the end, it, things have kind of come to a halt. They're not getting any leads. Um, and, you know, they really don't know what else to do. So in December of 2014, they asked a priest to bless the home, which they did. Okay. Now, mind you, I couldn't find anything that said that anything paranormal was happening in the okay. home. I think they were just like, we don't know what the hell else to do, so, so yeah, we're just going to do this. Yeah. Um, the family did not move into the house. They never moved in. And kept staying with uh, Maria's parents while still having to pay all the bills for this home. It's really quite sad. I mean, but it's good on them because usually you get the stories where they like moved in and then there's shit went wild, bloody murders, and Mm -hmm. good for them. No, (laughs) they they could not. And I mean, this got so intense that Derek and Maria both began exhibiting symptoms of PTSD. Mm -hmm. I mean, they both began having nightmares. Maria was terrified to be away from her children for long, you know, very long. Mm -hmm. And basically, they in the article, it sounds like they, you know, spoke to therapists who said, like, this is an incredibly traumatic event. Right. And you can't sell the house, so you can't, you know, you can't move past it. So, um, essentially, six months after buying, they decide to put the house back on the market. Mm Mm-hmm. And to be fair, they did disclose the watcher situation to any potential buyers. That's really, they're good people. They did. And they basically said, like, we don't want to put anyone who doesn't know because the Woods never told them Mm -hmm. about this. And that comes in later. Mm -hmm. 
So basically they disclosed this situation to any buyers. Um, they received a few low offers at first and just couldn't accept them. They wanted a bit more for the house, Mm -hmm. but eventually they did have to lower the price because I mean, you got to sell it at some point. Um, that was in 2014 in 2019, the house was finally sold to an anonymous buyer for nine hundred and fifty nine thousand. Remember the house was one point three million. Yeah, they lost so you, money. a lot of money. Yep. <clears throat> An anonymous buyer though. Yeah. Maybe it was the watcher. It could have been. I don't know. And or that, they just don't want to Or they don't want the stigma that is attached right. to the house. And I get that. I could mm-hmm. completely understand that. But yeah. I wonder if there's been more letters. I know. I think that's what everyone's asking. Like, oh. I could not find any follow up to show that like yeah. it had started up again. But it's creepy, like what's in the walls. Like I know, like I would tear that house down. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's so much more on this. I know this was pretty in-depth, but there is way more to it. Yeah. Um, the Broadus family ended up actually suing the Woods for not disclosing the Watcher oh. to them before buying the house. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> well, it's an interesting kind of legal question, and neither of us are lawyers, so I don't know the answer to yeah. this. But, like, for example, in certain states, you have to disclose when there's been a death in the home. Right. I believe in South Carolina, it has to be the owner. One of the owners has died. Oh, okay. Because our first home in um, Fort Mill, like where I grew up, yeah. um, someone did die in our house. It was mm-hmm. one of the owners, and he was very elderly, so it was nothing like Murder. crazy. <laughs> but, I mean, we did have that. We did have his ghost in our house for sure. Yeah. Um, but they had to disclose that before my parents could buy it. Some states don't require you to do that. Mm-hmm. But, like, what the hell? Do you have to disclose this crazy-ass, like, stalker situation that's attached to the house i mean i don't know i think it legally i don't know i don't know yeah i think morally you should that's that's what i was going at like i don't know legally that you have to but like a good person would yeah i don't know and i didn't um i wasn't able to find the outcome of that lawsuit against them or what the you know final verdict was so you can look that up and like i said there is much more sure honestly you could probably do an hour long episode on this because there is so much to it it's so creepy isn't it weird i don't like that it's very strange Mm -hmm. not a fan they're smart though get the don't move in Mm -mm. well i mean you know i think as uh, we're not parents but i think as a parent you probably i mean I don't care how much the house costs. Yeah. Like this person knows the names of your children. Yeah. That is too close. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know what room they're staying in. Like, yeah. Hell no. Hell yet. Hell yet. Mm mm. All right. So that was the watcher. I like that. I'm glad I got to go first because I was really excited about that one. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yes. All right. Mine is a bit different. Okay. Um, mine does not end well, and it's okay. A little, here's the trigger warning. It's a little graphic. Okay. okay. All right. So, um, we're going to go on an airplane. I miss it. (laughs) Please take me on an airplane. We're going to jump the pond and we're going to go to Finland. Okay. We've been there. I am Finnish. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we have been there. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're going to talk about some murder. 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 A lot of murder. All right. Um, so this is actually one of the most famous unsolved homicides Ooh, in me. all of Finland. Look at us getting a little true crimey today. A true crimey. Okay. Um, so this was in uh, June. It was June 4th of 1960. It was a Saturday okay. night. Um, there were four Finnish teenagers who okay. decided to go to Lake Bodum for just an overnight camping trip. Do we know like where in Finland this is? Or it's like... a little bit outside of Helsinki. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think like an hour. Okay. Out of Helsinki. Gotcha. Helsinki does come into it. A okay. Bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So 
They were young teenagers. Two of the boys were 15, and then there were two older teenagers. They were 18, and it was um, a guy and a girl, and they were dating. Mm-hmm. Um, just typical overnight camping, fishing, on the lake yeah. deal. Sure. Okay. Um, so they did tell the names of these kids. I, I'm not even – I didn't even put their names in because I, I was never going to be able to pronounce them. No, and I mean that's fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, Finnish is a very um, complex language. It's wild. I know a very, very little. Mostly just the curse words. Caitlin can sing the Christmas song in Finnish. That's song, about. Yes. <laughs> I can say. I don't know what it means. I don't know. It's probably something really bad. Finnish listeners, <laughs> hit us up. We got questions. Uh, yes. Um, that's really funny because on my Facebook memories, um, the video of my great grandmother Eileen mm-hmm. is singing the Christmas song. Because oh. four years ago, yesterday she passed away. Mm, that's right. That's so I right. Shared that memory. So that's funny. That we're talking to today. That's right. And she spoke fluent. She spoke fluent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her. Uh, she was born in Finland. Okay. And then came over as yes. a child. But she was like, she doesn't remember it. Okay. Or didn't remember it. She was, I think, two. Oh, okay. I see. Two. Yeah. Um, I could have lived in Finland, man. I was you could have. Close. Okay. So, anyways, just the curse words. It's all I know. And Christmas Carol. <laughs> not going to try the names. <laughs> so, the names, they're not going to happen. Sure. Three boys and a girl. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to insert another dirty joke, Can but I won't. Clean it up. Okay. Clean it up, Seymour. <laughs> uh, okay. So, basically, boys do, you know, what they do. Fishing, decide, you know, pretty late night. Seems like a fun night. Like, teenagers just doing... Just camping. Doing what teenagers do. And, yeah. Just... Sure. Camping is not for me. I say y'all have never fun with that. really been for me, and this definitely isn't going to make me no. Work, you know, make camping work. Make me want to. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so it's pretty late. Uh, they decide you know they're going to pitch their tent and mm-hmm. go to sleep for the night. Sure. Around 11 a.m. the next morning, a carpenter noticed the tent and saw the boys uh, kind of on top of the tent, and mm. they have been brutally murdered. Jeez. Um. It was a pretty... You can Google pictures. It's of pretty it. graphic. It's pretty gruesome. Okay. Uh, so the guy, I mean, immediately calls the police. Mm-hmm. And it was said that between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m., three of the boys had been bludgeoned and stabbed to death. One boy was laying outside of the tent. Okay. Um, and he had been stabbed and beaten, but was still alive. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, barely, but he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to give a small description of the attacker, um, but basically all he could say about him was he was wearing all black, and all he could see were bright red eyes. Oh, but male? We don't know. Oh, okay. We don't know. Yep. Um, so apparently this attacker, they think it's a guy, but okay. I'm sure. Sure. Um, Apparently, the attacker attacked them from the outside of the tent, just mm-hmm. started, like, stabbing into the tent and, like, what? hammering, like, in the tent and then, like, what? dragged them out. Oh, Yeah. Like, God. it was pretty disgusting. That's awful. Um, like, had rocks and were just smashing them. Mm. Um, the attacker also stole the keys to one of the boys' motorcycle, mm-hmm. but never took the motorcycle. Weird. Okay. Yep. Uh, he or she also had taken the boys' shoes mm-hmm. and buried them about 500 meters away from the scene. Just the shoes? Just the shoes. Also strange. Keep in mind the shoes. That's going to come up later. Okay. Okay? Um, so, basically the police uh, fucked this one up pretty bad. They're just, like, rummaging mm. through everything. Like, 
kind of destroying evidence. I'm rolling my eyes as hard as I can right now because that's a common, that happens a lot. (laughs) Yeah, so they never roped off the scene. So they never preserved any of the evidence. Correct. The cops, investigators just kind of come romping through, not paying Mm -hmm. much attention to kind of what's going on. Um, They realize later, like, that was probably Probably was a bad idea. Yeah, probably a bad idea. Yeah. Um, the girl had the worst injuries. Okay. Um, the boys had been pretty brutally murdered, but mm-hmm. she was like... It was just really bad. You could, there was a significant difference between her okay. and Okay, so more aggression towards the female the victim. female. Um, and she also, um, was naked from the waist down. Okay. So they never went into anything with, like, sexual assault or anything, but mm-hmm. you could, could probably assume that that happened. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Basically... Who done? Yeah. Who did this, right? Um, so there was a local man, mm-hmm. um, and I can pronounce his name. His name was Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Got that one. <laughs> Got that one. Um, Carl Gilstrom, and he apparently was really hostile towards campers. Okay. Um, and would kind of throw rocks at people that came near him, and just kind of was like a angry, just kind of grumpy old man is how I yeah um, see it. See it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they call him in. They're just like. You know, we got no leads. Got so an interview, this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, could be him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he confesses to the murders. Oh, well, hot damn, that was a lucky lucky happenstance that they brought him in. Um, they deemed him, in air quotes, disturbed. Okay. And didn't believe him that he did it after he confessed. Okay. Don't quite understand the uh, reasoning on that one, but... Yeah. They go. let him go. Oh, good. Good. He's gone. Okay. That doesn't even matter. Um, later, so this is nine years later, because this happened in 1960. Um, they believe he completed suicide by drowning in the same lake. Where this occurred. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people later came forward and said that they saw Carl coming from the crime scene that day, but were too afraid to call police, because apparently he was, like, he was pretty violent, pretty scary. And uh, yeah. Um, they said that they were too afraid to call because they didn't want him to retaliate. To come after and, them. Correct. Okay. Um, and there has also been, like I said, this is one of Finland's like top unsolved right. mysteries. And so like, there's this book on it that goes into detail showing that it was him. But obviously he's He's now passed. passed. Yeah. So... Interesting. It's too late. Did you have something to add? I was going to say, too, it seems, at least everything I've read about Finland is like... Uh, a very overall happy country. Um, it's like the happiest in the world. Right. And it yeah. seems like their crime rates would be quite low. So I can imagine what a shock, like what a shocking crime and murder that, this yeah. was. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Finland wasn't the most beautiful place. It was very oh, like. Finland's like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, but no, but like infrastructure. It was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Not your cup of tea. And I would love to live there. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, just, it was like a lot of just like cement buildings. Like cement it's very buildings. minimalist. I will yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be interesting to live there too. It seems like a very diverse place mm-hmm. and um, interesting place to live. Yeah, yeah. I'm just bougie, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, okay, so there's that guy, there's Carl. It's, mm-hmm. it's crazy because obviously he confessed yeah and they just didn't believe him it just makes me wonder why like i know because obviously i know nothing about the finnish legal system but i know at least here like they can't hold you unless they have something to charge you with right and it was it that they didn't have enough to charge him or something but you would think a confession would be pretty gold yeah they just thought he was lying that is so strange 
I do yeah. not get that, but okay. Yeah, me either. <laughs> okay. So they are interviewing this other man, and mm-hmm. he's, I can also pronounce his name, and he has a great name. Oh my god. Hans Assman. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly how it's pronounced. <laughs> um, it's probably Assman. Yeah. <laughs> Assman. To me, it's Assman. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so he lived pretty close to the lake, and a mm-hmm. lot of people speculated that it was him. Um, and they think he was also linked to other murders. Um, okay. Not sure why, but yeah. they kind of suspected that. Um, but he did have an alibi for the night of the murder. And okay. Supposedly, he was in Germany. But, mm-hmm. crazy, the morning of June 6th, the day after, or two days after okay. the murders, they happened on the 4th. Um, or the 5th. It was the 5th because it was early morning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next day after the morning or after the murders, he showed up in a Helsinki hospital covered in bloody clothes. And did no one think to like maybe call the cops about this? Like, mm-hmm. y- y'all. Yeah, right? <laughs> what, what are you doing? So people kind of suspected him. Sus. But no, again, nothing comes of that. Lastly, this is very recent, Mm -hmm. in March of 2004. Okay. um, This is obviously 44 years after the murders had taken place. Mm -hmm. A man named Niles Gustafson, I think, was arrested and charged with the murders. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. They said they had linked him through new forensic evidence. Oh, sure. Um, Okay. And it is said that he was in the tent with all four of them and, like, got completely just trashed. Okay. So he was really drunk. Um, and then they said apparently got into a fight and ended up murdering oh, God. three of them. Obviously mm-hmm. trying to murder four, but remember one did survive. Okay. The uh, shoes. Mm-hmm. The shoes. Yes. They were said to be uh, Niles' shoes. Oh, okay. The blood of all four victims were on the shoes. Oh. So... They think that can connect. Obviously, him. yeah. Um, however, in 2005, he was acquitted of all charges. Good Lord. Uh, they ruled that all of the findings were inconclusive. Mm. Um, he also sued Finland or whatever mm-hmm. city he was the, in. Yeah. Um, and he was paid 44,000 euro for mental suffering. So not only did he technically get away with it if he did it. I'm not, I don't know that Correct. for sure. He also got paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> insane. That is insane. And I'm sure that is very frustrating to the families and the descendants of oh, those for sure. families. Absolutely. So we don't know who did it. I, I mean, I think it was Carl. Mm. I think it was the first okay. one that confessed. Yeah. Because nobody else... You know. I mean, why are you just confessing to a murder, you know? Right. Why would you do that? You're going to go away for the rest of your life. I don't know. Weird, right? That is very weird. Yeah. So, we don't know who did it. Still, obviously, unsolved. Sure. Um, fun fact, now, <laughs> Finland mm-hmm. kind of took this unsolved crime and made it into a boogeyman. Oh, so they it's say, like an urban legend thing. Yep, it's the phantom Lake Bodum murderer. And basically if you are out of line or step out of line, like mm-hmm. the boogeyman's going to come get you. He's going to take you out. It's kind of like Finland's equivalent to like Jason. Yeah. Like from the horror movies. Yep. I gotcha. You know what? It kind of made me think of too, like a little unrelated, but 
Like Europe is real hardcore about these urban legends. Like remember the Christmas episode where yeah. there was the giant Christmas cat that would come like drag your ass out the house if you didn't wear your Christmas jammies and eat you. And eat you. Like here they're like, oh, it may the boogeyman may get you. They're like, yo, he's gonna drag you up out of here and get you. Yeah. So behave. You get knifed down. Right. Like. <laughs> good lord. Mm-hmm. Intense. No. That's wild. Yep. I've not heard of that one. That was interesting. I had either. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you. All right. Um, well, are you ready for me to wrap up with a, a final story? Sure. Unless you have another story. Nope. That okay. was it. All right. So this one's a short one, but I thought this was interesting. Also a bit of true crime. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Tylenol murders? Yes. Okay. So um, for those that don't know, I'll obviously ex- explain what these were, but you have to keep in mind, this is an event that caused the American healthcare system to completely change how we dispense and package medicine. Yep. Um, so this took place in Chicago, Illinois. And on September 19th of 1982, a 12-year-old girl named Mary Kellerman said she was sick with a sore throat and a runny nose. Her parents, you know, as most parents would, gave her some Tylenol to take. Mm-hmm. This is pretty common here in the U.S. Um, they were unaware that it was actually laced with potas- potassium cyanide. I mean, I believe that is in the um, drug like combo that's used in like lethal injection. Okay. I think I don't quote me on that. I mean, but this is a very deadly concoction. Um, Mary immediately passed away the next morning from this. Uh, Later on, Adam Janice, a 27 year old uh, postal worker died the same day after taking Tylenol. Um, His brother and his sister-in-law thought he had had a heart attack, but obviously with the grieving process, you're trying to do a million things. They both said they had headaches. Um, they also took Tylenol from the same bottle of him, as him, not knowing what it was, and both passed away within days of each other. Wow. More deaths in the area started occurring. And the pattern and the kind of common factor is that all involved um, taking Tylenol prior to death. So obviously this is incredibly concerning. Yeah. The police and investigators immediately began working on this. In October of 1982, they conclusively linked the deaths to laced Tylenol, essentially. So Johnson & Johnson, who manufactured Tylenol, joined the investigation and started working really heavily with the media and the community to kind of figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, immediately, 31 million bottles of Tylenol were recalled. This is one of the largest recalls in, I think, U.S. history. Um, and in doing this, more tainted bottles were found in the Chicago area, but thankfully none of them had been consumed yet. Okay. So the first kind of step was to get everything off. Just stop. Get all the Tylenol, yeah. Good. So the investigation concluded that the tampering had occurred after the bottles had left the factory. Okay. This was very relieving to right. J&J <laughs> because obviously the first thing they're saying is you're lacing Tylenol, Tylenol and you're giving it out to people. So that was really important to determine when the tampering occurred. So people, the investigators um, came up with that someone had gone into stores, removed the bottles from the shelves, tainted them, and then put them back on the shelf for someone to buy, which is just fucked up on another level. And unfortunately, while a few copycat suspects have been identified, no conclusive suspect has ever been charged for the murders. So they still don't know who did this. Um, Johnson & Johnson was really swift in taking action with this and worked with the FDA to develop the foil seals on bottles, which you will see in America. I think it's all over the world, but on any medication here in the U.S., you will see that seal. It's so fucking hard to get that off. It is, and Uh, this is why. For a good reason. (laughs) Yes. It It can be a pain to try and peel that thing off. I have cursed a lot at those things. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just to keep you safe, I guarantee it. I know, I understand. 
Sure. They also re-engineered the pills themselves to make them more difficult to break apart, to tamper with. Okay. Um, And in 1983, Congress passed what they called the Tylenol Bill, Mm -hmm. which made tampering with consumer products a federal offense. Yeah. So, (laughs) unfortunately, it, it took these deaths for you know, the FDA to completely rethink how we package up medication. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that lives were lost yeah, yeah. in that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those are the Tylenol murders. Yeah, that's crazy. I did know that story, mm-hmm. but it's still, to hear it is wild. I just, the the cruelty of someone could do that. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I can't fathom that. No. I couldn't, I couldn't murder someone. No, I, I couldn't either. And that's, that's a good thing. <laughs> All right. Oh, look at you two. Are they behaving? Amishka's pissed because his water is out. And Kitty is, I think... Glaring at him. (laughs) Her eyes are closed. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) I gotcha. Yeah. Well, good stuff. That is good. Yeah. Um, I also thought about it, too. Do you have any final thoughts on this before we kind of move to wrapping up? No. Um, I was going to say, too, we received a really interesting message from one of our listeners. This is unrelated to our topics. Mm -hmm. Um, Talking about the episode we did on Jodi Arias. Oh, yes. Um, I don't think we should say her name because I don't know if she wanted to be identified. Um, Badass, though. She sounds like a... You know who you are, and you sound like an absolute badass. Yeah. she was saying that she worked with Juan Martinez, yes. who we talked about was the prosecutor in the Jody Arias case. Correct. Um, now, from we only know what Joe, uh, what we about Juan Martinez, what we've seen. Right. And, right. In the, I mean, I watched that case like right day in and day out. As a prosecutor, he was he did very a skilled. Job. Yes, a very skilled. But apparently, he might be a little bit of a scumbag. It sounds like he may not be as perfect as a person as maybe we thought he was. Correct. um, And has had some sexual harassment, um, either charges or allegations. Um, So I I thought it was important we just clarify that we're not saying he is... Um, a, a wonderful person. Not we did not know that, so that changed yes. definitely our and thank opinions. You for doing, like, I yes. appreciate when people kind of clarify things yeah, or yeah. correct us. Yeah. No, because we never. I mean, knowing that, I would I would definitely say I, I don't like him. I think technically he was very good at his job, but yes. um, that does not at all condone any of the other things he's done. Correct. So good job. Felt like we needed to yeah. clear the air on that one. Yeah. All right. I get my crown this week. That's Caitlin's getting a tooth. <laughs> A crown for a queen. A crown for a queen. <laughs> yes, I know you're ready. Yes. Temporary crowns suck. Yeah. Yep. I was about to say. That's the only excitement I'm looking forward to this and that's that. <laughs> is getting out of this temporary crown. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts? No, other than that I'm just a queen. You are a queen, my dear. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about where you can find us then. All right. You can come visit me on Facebook. Um, a little slacking again, y'all. Um, pets. I know y'all got dogs, dogs kitties. Cats. Come on now. Yep. Send them on. No, no probes. No, no probes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. You can find me on Facebook and then you can find merch um, at com. Yes. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at ghoul friends podcast. You can find us on Twitter at ghoul underscore friends. And if you have a listener story, which no one has, so please send them in because we love those episodes truly. Mm-hmm. Um, or you just want to email us. You can do that at ghoul friends podcast at gmail.com. Anything else before we wrap it up? Um, nope. Rope. <laughs> <laughs> no, no probes. <laughs> no, no probes. All right. Well, for now, we hope you have a safe and spooky week. I'm Celeste. And I'm Caitlin. And we're your cool friends. 
cool friends. <laughs> <laughs>